Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, September 15th. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Tough opener for Kansas State on Saturday. The Wildcats were upset by Arkansas State and now must wait a week to resume their schedule. Oh, by the way, the next K-State game is at Oklahoma. Beat writer Callis Robinette stops by to break down the game he covered on Saturday, what went wrong and right for the Wildcats. After a break, you'll hear it straight from the head coach. We dropped in on Chris Kleiman's news conference earlier today, and you'll hear his assessment of the game. So here we go with Kellis Robinette. Kellis, how are you doing today? Good, Blair. Glad to be back on your podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. We got some college football to talk about. Finally, yeah, a game finally, in the book. Yeah. Well, we were talking about college football for months, but, uh, but finally a game to digest and to um, – breakdown and not a happy outcome for Kansas State and by extension the Big 12 um it was like a like a like a little virus oh baby baby bad choice of words there <laughs> but um <laughs> tough day for the Big 12 on Saturday with with Kansas State losing to Arkansas State Kansas losing to Coastal Carolina and then Iowa State that was the, to me the biggest surprise of the three was Iowa State losing to Louisiana Lafayette but let's talk about Let's talk about the Wildcats and what what went wrong after things went right for them early. Twenty-one to seven lead, blocked a punt. Um, I thought when they blocked the punt um, right, right off the right off the bat, it was like, yeah, look, they, uh, they they this is a good time to do it. They they they're probably taking advantage of a program that didn't get to work against you know uh, this sort of thing. And um, uh, but in the end, um, it would just. It didn't, you know. It it wasn't enough, right? Um, it was it was not enough to overcome what I think is probably a was an overlooked and underrated Arkansas State team that's that's very well coached and has at least one player who uh, I, I think will get a lot of NFL interest. Um, we can talk about him in a minute, but uh, just how about just general thoughts on the game, Kellis? Yeah, I mean, uh, boy, you got. A little bit of everything in this game, really. The the great start, uh, the the bad finish, players missing the game with uh, you know use your imagination for whatever reasons. There are about like twenty five players watching in street clothes. Starting center goes down on the third play of the game. Um, starting safety goes down on the second series. Nickelback needs replaced by the end of the game. They're playing a third string center, a third string safety. Um, you know everything you could kind of imagine added up uh, to uh, contribute in this loss. But I guess the, the things I kind of think back to most in this one are, um, you know, what what kind of changed after Kansas State took, took the 21-7 lead that you mentioned? Because up until that point, really there was no cause for concern. Um, Arkansas State did put one drive together, but otherwise Kansas State was, you know, it looked like they were going to go on uh, to win and not only win but cover the spread. I think the, the big changing point in the game was Arkansas State realized that uh, the Wildcats were playing just a, a little bit too um, aggressively on offense, burned them with a double pass, actually burned them later in the game with a double pass and a fake punt. And uh, that's actually what burned Kansas State last year in the bowl game. They lost to Navy on a double pass in the fourth quarter. So that'll be something that, that needs to be addressed. But it's it's just really hard to evaluate everything overall when you look at just how many players were out. I know Arkansas State had players out too, so you can't just sit back and say, you know, that it's a horrible excuse or anything like that. But at the same time, the running game wasn't really working. The defense fell apart in the second half. Skylar Thompson was just inches off with his receivers all day. Um, it's it's kind of interesting, depending on who you talk to, 
you could talk to five different people and those five different people would blame five different things for this loss. I don't can't really recall the last time I watched a game where that was the case. Yeah. Well, so much to unpack here. Let's start with um, well, let's start with this idea that I, I think we we may have seen uh, where we you know where we think there should be a little bit of disparity in talent between a program like Kansas State from the Big Twelve and Arkansas State from the Sun Belt. Um, I, I think that tends to that disparity shrinks a little bit when one program gets spring practice in and takes care of some some issues, and the other one didn't right and Kansas State mm-hmm. did not and and that was that was the case throughout the those Sun Belt upsets over the, over the Big 12 but just uh, zeroing in on K-State they were already inexperienced on the offensive line when it comes to game reps and it just didn't help that uh that, that they they suffered some injuries there and I, th- I thought that it really affected them in the running game this is a Kansas State team that under Chris Kleiman as as we know from his his years at North Dakota State wants to control the clock, control the game, win the win the battle up front, and wear defenses down in the second half. And Kansas State just unable to do that. I think because of you know the, the offensive line just kind of isn't ready yet. Yeah, I agree with that totally. And that's one area where at North Dakota State, Chris Kleiman always had the best offensive line pretty much in the country. Those guys would come out and dictate the game and open up everything else, not just for the running game the passing game, the quarterback, I think that's why guys like Carson Wentz and Easton Stick and now Trey Lance have looked so good there. Um, and they had, they had shades of that last season with five five uh, senior starters up front. They weren't spectacular by any means, but they were solid. You knew what you were going to get every week. And now uh, you're replacing all those guys. And now not only are you replacing all those guys, but it seemed like they really didn't know what combinations they wanted to go with. Um, the, the, the group they ran out there to start with only played – uh, I believe three plays together the entire game. And then after that, they moved Noah Johnson. He got hurt. He was at center. They tried moving him to guard and they moved who was it? Ben Adler, who was a guard to center. And they tried that for a while, just switched him. When that didn't work, they pulled Johnson from the game and put in uh, another center. And uh, they were switching left tackles. They were switching right tackles. Pretty much the, uh, the only guy who stayed in the same spot all game was their left guard, Josh Rivas. And for an inexperienced line, I, I just don't know you know, that that was the, maybe the right uh, path to take there. Um, that, that certainly didn't build any continuity. And it, it showed because the, their favorite thing to do is to run between the tackles. And clearly their game plan was at least on first down, let's give the ball to starting running back Harry Trotter and have him gain four or five yards. So we're in second and medium and we can work from there. But Harry Trotter only averaged 2.7 yards per run. And um, there were some stats that surfaced online that showed when they ran through the tackles, that dropped all the way down to like 1.5, something like that. So every time they tried to run behind center, behind guard, they were getting nothing. So basically Arkansas State found a way to completely negate their favorite play. And um, if you take away running between the tackles, that's going to downgrade everything else Kansas State does. And I'm not sure if it's completely the offensive line to blame. Maybe it's play calling because when they did go try to run outside and get a little bit more creative, they had better luck. Um, that's what you saw with Deuce Vaughn when he came in the game and, and and had some good runs. They were all to the outside. Even Harry Trotter, the one touchdown run he had, was off tackle to the right side. So they've definitely got some things to figure out in that department. Yeah, but you know, with 31 points, that would you would think that would have been enough to to get the job done in in a um, 
you know, in a non-conference game. But And the crazy thing is it really could have been more. If Skylar Thompson would have just hit some open receivers, they could have had like 50. They weren't yeah, that I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Um, I, I thought Skylar Thompson was 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 off. Um, uh, you know, just missed, misfired, overthrew guys. Um, not to be unexpected in you know with um, you know with the unusual situation, but still, I, I maybe maybe I was just I thought maybe with his experience and. Uh, working hard in the the time that Kansas State had to to get ready for this game, we wouldn't see as much of that. But it ended up hurting Kansas State. There were opportunities that the Wildcats left on the field. Yeah, big time. And that's the I think that's why a lot of people will look back at this one and be so frustrated in it because the one thing that was working, everything else bad we've talked about so far. The one thing that was working was the passing game, which is kind of funny because they were they only had like four active scholarship receivers playing. But um, that was one thing that was working. They got they got players open downfield, and even with Skylar Thompson missing, he still completed 17 passes for 250, 259 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, those numbers right there just alone aren't so bad. But there were – I mean, the, it's, the, the thing I keep thinking back to is even the play that everybody really loved, it was on one of SportsCenter's top tens, was uh, the, the one-handed grab Malik Knowles made where he, he jumped up and brought down a pass for, oh, I don't know how long it was, but, um, you know, a 20-something yard gain. Um, it, while it was a, a heck of a grab by Knowles, it was a, just a terrible pass by Skylar Thompson. If he puts it on the money, he catches it and walks into the end zone. So it's it, that, to me, is one of the things I remembered all day. And there were other times in the game where uh, receivers couldn't catch that, that pass. It was just a little bit overthrown. And, I mean, he really could have had an extra touchdown pass to Sebastian Taylor could have had another 50-yard bomb to Malik Knowles. That that was the thing all day. If if Thompson would have been on top of his game, he could have had about 400 yards passing. And while I wouldn't put this loss on him, um, he certainly didn't step up and win the game either. Yeah, I remember that play to to, to Knowles uh, on on TV. There was nobody else in the in the camera shot. Yeah, it was only wild. him. And and I remember. After he caught it and went down, I'm waiting for you know an Arkansas State player to show up, you know, to in to in in the in the in the picture, and and it, that's how open he was. You're right. If if he catches, if that's a decent pass, and Knowles doesn't have to go up and make a spectacular grab, he does. At least he gets close to the end zone anyway. Well, and speaking of spectacular grabs, one that didn't count, but I think left an impression on everyone was the Jonathan Adams similar play in the end zone earlier where he reached up with one hand and uh, pulled it down, could not, could not maintain control of it when he went to the ground. But that play showed everybody what a, what a remarkable player he is. And, um, and he, he proved it time and again throughout the game, even though his stats weren't eye popping, I think he was under a hundred yards receiving. He made big play after big play and wow, what a, what a talent! I mean, he was—I think he was the best player on the field on on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, I mean, the, the you want to talk about a productive day? Eight catches, ninety-eight yards, three touchdowns, and they only targeted him ten times. <laughs> and one one of those incompletions, what we were talking about, where he maybe probably deserved to actually get the catch. So, um, yeah, you talk about a great uh, great guy to target in the red zone. Holy cow! Um, I know a lot of Big Twelve teams out there that would love to have him. I bet K State would trade for him right now if they could. Um, so he, I, I mean, I, I said it after the game, I think he's probably going to end up being one of the best receivers they see all season. And that's, that's knowing that they've got an entire big 12 slate in front of them. 
Right, uh, and playing in a conference that, that always produces NFL wide receivers. So, okay, so K-State has this week off. Uh, I thought it was smart for the Big 12 to schedule the way that they have. They're putting you know, playing on, on September 12th, but keeping the 19th open, uh, as we're seeing, with two games that were postponed from Saturday are being played this week. Um, Baylor is playing and Oklahoma State are playing this week when they were originally scheduled to play last week. And, uh, and then the, the, the conference schedule, schedule begins in earnest with everybody in action scheduled to be in action on September 26th. Does, so, Callis, to kind of bottom line the whole thing, does the outcome on Saturday change your outlook for Kansas State or were the circumstances so, you know, just so different and so strange that um, you look at this as their, you know, a continuation of their preseason and then they start the conference play anew? You know, I, I'm uh, I'm not picking them to win seven games anymore like I did preseason. I think that'll be awfully tough for them. But I wouldn't write off five or six wins at this point. I don't think this went this loss was, you know, anything that would should make you jump off uh, jump off the bandwagon just just quite yet. Um, especially compared to like what happened in Lawrence, where where Kansas was down twenty eight nothing before they even got moving against Coastal Carolina. Uh, if that happened in this game and they were just completely blown away, then yeah, I, I would sit back and say, boy, this team has got some issues. But um, I mean, just think about all the people they were down. They didn't have Joshua Youngblood, uh, who's a he was a freshman All American kick returner. They didn't have Khalid Duke, who was their uh, uh, the guy they they thought they talked about all preseason as being a huge difference maker on defense. Um, I mean, go down the line. They they were down twenty five players. They were out with, without their starting center. Um, the guy who they put in charge of trying to help double Jonathan Adams in that last play was a third string safety who was playing quarterback when camp began. So, I mean, it, I can't just sit here and say, you know, boy, K-State really just, you know, booted that game away. I, I can't say that. I, I don't love their chances against Oklahoma after what I saw, but you know what, if they can get all these guys back, find a way to avoid COVID the rest of the season, um, I see no reason why they couldn't after those first two games, go ahead and still beat TCU beat Tech, beat KU, beat West Virginia. I mean, what 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 did those teams what have those teams showed us so far that makes us think that K State can't beat them? Um, I, I'm not I'm not ready to say their their season's lost or anything like that. Um, but uh, it, it does diminish it a little bit for sure. Yeah, well, I think Iowa State's in play as well after definitely, seeing them definitely seeing the Cyclones on on Saturday. What a disappointing loss that is for Matt Campbell and and that program. Okay, Callis. It was great catching up with you, and we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will hear uh, from Chris Kleiman, who met the media later on Tuesday. Callis, thanks a lot. Yep, anytime, Blair. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash sportsbeatkc offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. From the football game, didn't go the way we wanted it to go. 
a lot of things played into that. Uh, you can say COVID played into that. It sure did. You can say lack of spring ball played into that. It sure did. Lack of summer training. It sure did. Um, losing time in, in fall camp, losing players, all that stuff. It did. But the bottom line is you have an opportunity to compete. You have an opportunity that you don't know how many opportunities we're going to have this year. And we talked about that. Are we going to play nine more? Are we going to play two more? None of us know this. So when you have the opportunity to compete, you have to take advantage of your of your opportunity and your moment. And uh, uh, I thought Arkansas State, you can tell they played a game. They were much better prepared than we were since they'd played a game. And uh, they outplayed us. Um, and uh, our guys have to learn from that. Our guys have to learn that uh, – uh, if the first guy goes down, the second guy goes down, third guy goes down, it doesn't matter. You're wearing K-State, and you have to make plays. And uh, uh, we didn't make enough plays. Y- young guys that played to older guys that have played to new guys that haven't played. And so we've had uh, a lot of conversations uh, amongst our staff, a lot of conversations with the team. We didn't practice yesterday. We met uh, an awful long time with players, uh, leadership council to – um, team meetings to unit meetings to position meetings um, and, and uh, really you know, had some tough conversations um, and uh, I, I believe moving forward there's some to be some positive things coming out of those conversations um, mainly because we don't know what 2020 none of us do and none of us have a crystal ball to see what's going to happen the rest of the fall of 2020 but uh, um, we need to be better bottom line so we'll open up for questions Scott Fritchie. Yeah, hey, Chris. Um, among all the games on Saturday, uh, Briley Moore tied for the most receptions by a tight end in the, in the nation. Um, just what impressed you the most about Briley in his first performance? Maybe how has he already answered the call? I knew Briley was going to play well. Uh, he would uh, had a really good camp. And he's probably one of the hungriest guys we have on the football team. He has a chip on his shoulder because nobody thought he was good enough to play in the in, in the Big 12 or at any Power 5. Um, he has come in and gained instant respect from our older guys that have played a lot of football to say, boy, this kid's a really good player. But more than that, he handles his business. He, he practices hard. He competes. He holds people accountable. He does all the right things, and I think we can get more out of Bradley Moore. And that's what I'm going to challenge Bradley to is that he needs to be more for us, um, us moving forward. But uh, so impressed with uh, um, how he just came right in and, and made plays, and, and uh, I know that uh, he's going to have a terrific season. And just it struck me, you had Deuce Vaughn, you had Will Howard, I think it counted a total of five true freshmen that saw action in the season opener. And this comes after last year's season opener when you had three true freshmen play. Um, Just how would you assess this true freshman class right now, even the ones we didn't see on Saturday? And could you see an uptick in true freshman production during the season, unlike any other? Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, question. Uh, very pleased with the athleticism and the knowledge of the freshman class. We're a long ways to go in our maturity level with the freshman class. Not that that um, 
they can't get there to have more guys help us. Um, Will Howard's a really, really mature kid. Deuce Vaughn's a really mature kid. T.J. Smith played a little bit for us uh, on Saturday, very mature. I can't think of all the freshmen that played, but uh, um, to play the game at the Power 5 level, you have to have great maturity and great discipline, and that's difficult for an 18-year-old. The two guys that you did mention in, in, in Will uh, and Deuce have that, and that's why they were able to step up and look like they belong is they have great maturity and discipline. And so we're going to continue to practice all these guys, young and old, because once again, going back to my opening statement, you just don't know when your moment will be and you have to take advantage of the opportunities you have. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah. Kellis. Hey, Chris, uh, Noah Johnson and Jerome McPherson were two guys who started Saturday's game but weren't able to finish it. What would you say their outlook is moving forward? Uh, they won't. Neither one will practice this week. Uh, it's not season-ending for either one, but it'll be a week-to-week basis. Both guys that had terrific fall camps, both guys that uh, um, we were all counting on, and unfortunately both guys got did get injured early on and um which allowed other pe- people to have the opportunity but uh, uh we're a better team with Noah on the field and we're a better team with Jerron on the field and I-, I was curious when you went back and got to you know re-watch things and take it all in how would you rate the way Skyler played putting up some pretty good numbers but also barely missing on some of those throws yeah he needs to play better he knows that uh he made some really really good throws um made some really good reads um he was banged up i think everybody saw that in the second half um but skyler will respond and and uh everybody needs to play better it doesn't matter if you're an old lineman to the quarterback to the safeties to um linebackers d-line everybody does and and so um we all need to improve Derek. Yeah, Coach, uh, it was said that Tyler Burns would get maybe be one of the backs to get a lion's share of the carries, and it didn't really turn out that way. Was there anything that happened that prevented that from being the case? Nothing in particular. I think it was more Coach Mess and Coach Anderson and how the game w- was being played out. Um, and then in the second half, we weren't playing with the lead, so we had to probably rely on throwing the football a little bit more than what we wanted to. We weren't having great success rushing the football, especially inside. So we thought that Deuce, and I think everybody saw that, is a really effective running back on the perimeter. And uh, we thought he gave us a better chance on the perimeter um, with all the backs that we had. And so um, nothing that uh, anybody did. It's just kind of how the game played out. And with your safeties, you're kind of dealing with some injuries, not with just Jerome McPherson, but Wayne Jones as well. Is there any others that you're going to really try to ramp up and get ready for conference play? Well, another guy that we were counting on that wasn't available was Ross Elder. Ross has had a terrific camp and has played some football for us, so we hope to get him back in the near future uh, as well. Um, we we have to continue to improve at, at, at safety. You know, both the free and the strong. We have to continue to build depth so that uh, um, we have more guys that, that can play twenty snaps, thirty snaps, and not have to rely on somebody playing seventy snaps. But uh, it's a position that we have some young players at that we think are talented. 
but there's a lot of nuances to play in in the secondary at the college level and especially in our scheme and, and even though we need to simplify it so those guys can play it's still and coach Kleinman and i've been together for a long time of understanding are you ready to play in that moment and you have to prove that you're ready by how you perform at practice and making sure that you do know the reads and do know the calls and do know the communication and and if if guys in our mind aren't comfortable in that in practice they sure aren't, aren't going to be in the game that's why we also have this open week and hopefully everybody will be healthy to be able to practice so that we can get some more guys that are younger players some repetitions yeah coach i need to touch with things pretty but just <clears throat> in regards to deuce kind of going back to how he got k-state can you just talk a little bit about how he got on the radar i know he had some amazing high school staff but what do you guys see from that right? uh the explosiveness for sure, um, the quick twitch, the ability for a, for a young man that's not of great size to break arm tackles, and uh, everybody worries about a smaller back. Can they be durable? Can they take those hits? Well, when you're not getting a square shot on guys because they're so quick, you're not taking some of those big hits. And then when he came, he came in the summer um, with his mother, uh, and. Uh, I knew right then that he was a fit for what we wanted to do and what we wanted to build upon as far as character and integrity uh, within his mom. And then his dad being in the profession of, of, of coaching and, and now scouting in football, I know he'd been up, been around what it's supposed to be like uh, at the highest level and, and how, you're, how you're supposed to be a professional and how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to have great discipline and maturity. And we were jumping up and down when we were able to get his commitment because we know that he's a generational guy. And you say, well, what, what, that's a big term to say, a generational guy. I think as much as what he can do off the field for our football team is what he can do on the field. Yeah, and just kind of following up on that, throughout the stadium, whenever he touched the ball on Saturday, there was a certain energy. You talked about that after the game. Did you expect the fans that were in the building kind of pick up on that right away as soon as he was touched the football? As soon as you saw him run one time, I think everybody did like, holy cow. Uh, he's an electric player, and uh, uh, not only is he an electric player, but he's a, a better person, which is what I'm so excited about for his future. Cool. Thanks, Coach. You bet. John? Hey, Chris, after having a chance to watch the film of the game, do you come away feeling more or less encouraged, I guess, than when we last talked to you right after? Um. It's a good question. It's hard for me to answer. Uh, still, still disappointed. Still frustrated in a number of things. But I, I have to kind of pause some because this is just one of those years, John. That I just don't know. I mean, to think that you're going to be out as many guys potentially as you are because of of COVID or to get guys back for two days and they have been out for 14 days and then they're going to practice for a couple days in practice. None, I'm not saying any of those things are excuses. They're not. We, we need to be better. It's just from a management standpoint, from the head coach to the assistants to the players, you don't know who you're practicing with on a daily basis. Offensively, you don't know who you're working with in the O-line. You don't know who you're throwing the ball to. You don't know... Uh, if that corner or that safety, if that's the same guys. And so 
that's what we're dealt with. And I wish you'd say, well, we're going to get everybody back and everything's going to be fine. I don't know. I don't think anybody, any of us know. And so, once again, there's no coaching 101 for this. I've talked to some head coaches around the country that we're all dealing with the same stuff, and nobody has the exact answer. This is how you're supposed to do this. And so we're just going to keep learning on the fly and coach the guys that we have for that day really, really hard and really well so that when they have the chance to play, they're ready to play. Uh, and we may have that guy, and two days later, get him ready, and then he's gone. That's something you just don't think about as part of college football, but it is right now in college football. And so every week we're going to work with the guys that we have and cross our fingers that we continue to do the right things um, with hygiene and masking and social distancing so that we can keep guys around. And it's about the, the trick plays to hurt you guys on Saturday. How fine of a line is it, especially defensively, about those two between being aggressive, making sure you're still aggressive on defense and it goes back to discipline. It doesn't go back to aggression, non-aggression. It goes back to what are my what are my rules and principles of the defense? I follow my rules and principles of the defense and I don't lose my eyes, I'll be fine. We we have the answers for everything. We have the answer for the double pass. We have the answer for whatever the Philly special throwing it to the quarterback. If I follow my rules and principles within the framework of the defense, um, we have somebody assigned to everything. If I don't follow the rules and principles, uh, uh, not only a trick play, but it could be a normal play, um, just a normal run, whatever, uh, you're not going to be successful. And those are the things that as a staff, we have to continue to try to keep preaching, 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 whether it's a young player that only has had that snap 10 times or an older player that's had that snap 190 times. If I follow my rules and principles, I'll be fine. Serenis? Uh, coach, I'm curious. You, you said a number of times, you know, how, how, there's nothing to compare to this season, right? I, I've tried to compare it in the pros when they had strikes in 82 and 87 and how coaches had to adjust. One, the scab players that played in 87. And uh, there was a game where, where Bill Walsh ran the option, right, against Bill Parcells. There's a great NFL films where he's just like shrugs his shoulders. They're looking across the field at each other like, what do you want me to do? Right. So I, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned all the people coming and going. Do you view this season as we have to do what we want to be doing two and three years from now, that this is in some ways you've got to sacrifice. Maybe you could make some adjustments for the short term to try to win right now. But the big picture is you want to play the way you want to play. And so you're going to continue to do what's going to be best for the team when everybody's back, right? When quote unquote normal returns to, to build the philosophy and approach that you want versus maybe some kind of, for lack of a better term, a trick or something that, that could be a shortcut to maybe getting you some success right away? Great question, Seren. And if I were in year eight, I'd say let's, re, let's try to throw some gimmicks in there. Let's try to fool some people. But we're in year two. And so we are going to follow our philosophy and rules and principles, even if that is playing at a position where we're down, if that's playing at somewhere where we're not as equipped as we are in other spots because this is an absolute marathon for me here and not a sprint. I'm not sprinting to say I have to do this so that 
I can go get another job or I can do this or I can help this. We as a staff are making sure that this is a marathon so that we as a staff are here for the long term. And I'm not a quick fix guy. That'd be different if I said, hey, let's go get 15 JCs because we don't know if we're going to lose guys. We're going to go get 15 D1 transfers. That's not my philosophy. That's not our philosophy. Excuse me, our philosophy as a program and as a staff. So we've had this conversation uh, as as a staff on on Sunday. Um, Do we get to the gimmicky? Do we do this? And we all collectively as a staff said, this is who we are and this is who we have been at a previous institution and we aren't going to change that and so are we going to maybe take some lumps periodically this year Um, we may have to because i don't want to say come spring of 21 all right let's go back to what we wanted to try to do because now i think you've lost a ton of time hope that answers it yeah absolutely uh and, and then um you, this is now your second year, right? Playing up in a, in a bigger league versus a lot of experience playing, where you, know, you kind of have that that opportunity to to point to the big boy, the Big Twelve team that was on your schedule. Uh, I'm curious, just now, now having played several of those games, I know you. I think it was Nichols last year. You had some games where you know you were the hunted, for lack of a better term. Uh, anything you, you've taken on that that you've noticed is is different or maybe surprising about you know being the big dog when when the smaller school comes into play that that maybe you didn't see from the other side no because i did see it from the other side so i caution the guys all the time football is football it's why bradley moore played so well bradley had a chip on his shoulder he he wanted to experience big 12 football some guys just want to be on a big 12 roster as opposed to playing big boy big 12 football and I'm a big believer, and you guys have heard me say this a thousand times, football is football, and it doesn't matter what school you're at, where you're from. If you're a, a five-star to a, to a no-star like Carson Wentz was, you have an opportunity to play, and you get a chance to play this great game. If you don't have your A game, you're going to get beat. And we know that in the NFL. You guys see that in the NFL every Sunday. But it's no different in college football. And in, 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 in an era right now where – you don't know who's going to be around for game one to game two because of the some of the issues we're dealing with with COVID. I think it really levels the playing field in the fact of I wouldn't want to go into a game saying, oh, these guys are out nine of their starters due to COVID. So I think guys would relax and say, oh, well, this is probably going to be a cakewalk. You're going to get beat by the backups. It doesn't matter because if you have a chip on your shoulder and want to prove somebody, you're going to do that because there's so much parity in the game of football. And then just a, a kind of a housekeeping question. You mentioned that they had the game in advance, and I know this wasn't the schedule you set out to, and beggars can't be choosers, right? You mentioned yep. how thankful you were to get to play the game. But just just, uh, just so I'm thinking forward, would you ever schedule a game with a team that's played a game before you for your opener if it weren't a COVID time, or is that something you would – You, you would rather for? not. You would rather not, but – you know, it depends. Is it a 12-game year? You know, then uh, somebody can add a game that's that's from a, a, a different league, or you know, I don't know. Just like everybody else doesn't know in the in the distant future what's going to happen with week zero. You know, is that going to be a be a week that a lot of people play, and then you kind of stuck because sometimes those week zero games become, hey, let's get a game going, and then you've already got your schedule, and oh shoot, the team you're playing in week one gets an opportunity to play in week zero for for a money game, they're going to do it. So. 
typically, no, you wouldn't want to. You'd want everybody to be in that first game. You bet. Thank you, Coach. You bet. Thanks, Ron. Last one right here, uh, Blair. Hey, Coach, I, I just wanted to know to, to what extent um, spirit and confidence was shaken by Saturday's outcome, and if you had to spend some time just working on that the last few days. No, probably going back to all the things that we've been asked with other questions uh, of, of spirit and things like that. No, if you're not ready to play, you're going to get beat. And not saying we weren't ready to play. I thought we had a good week of preparation. Uh, but in the same respect, uh, there's a lot of good football players across the country at, at every level. And so you, you need to play really well with whoever you have uh, or you are going to get beat. Um, but, um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations on the football team over the last 48 hours about what we all can do to be better. And uh, and that's just not on the field. That's off the field. That's doing the, the little things right. That's um, making all of our meals, getting to our tutor sessions on time, um, being respectful in the academic center, being respectful to our athletic trainers. Uh, all the little things, in my mind, come back to bite you. And it's easy to talk about it after a loss, but all the little things that you don't do correctly from a discipline standpoint can come back to bite you. Um, and they, and some of those things, not all, but some of those things did uh, on Saturday. So probably more of an awakening, not to a coaching staff. I think our coaching staff uh, knew that some of these things could happen, but to, to an older kid, a younger kid, that uh, we got to tighten our ship a little bit here. And um, that's the challenge to, to our guys. And uh, I, I'm excited because we have challenged those guys. And um, uh, I'm, I'm looking, to, looking forward to seeing how, how guys respond, not just in a week. You don't tighten a ship in a week, but over the next three months, whether that's two games or nine games. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette for stopping by and talking Kansas State football. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands and still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage. And that includes Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There's more than 50 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Well, here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.